Hi, Ingo. Welcome back. Hey, Adam. Thank you for having me the third time in a row. <laughs> yeah. And today we destroy Java with Kotlin. Well, I would not say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a Kotlin fanboy. I'm not. Uh, I primarily program in Java, but I like Kotlin, and maybe I can offer a biased view. Of Very good. Why. Because I'm back from WJX. This is a conference in Munich last week, and um, so what I did. Um, sometimes I do it. So I ask uh, the attendees before my talk to ask questions, and of course the last question was what my opinion about Kotlin. And uh, my opinion is that um, Java 21 is, uh, is is great. And for me, I like the stuff in Kotlin, but uh, this is not good or not good enough. This is something. It is good, but how to call it? Um, I'm, the features are not that overwhelming that I'm willing, you know, to, to leave Java and go to Kotlin. This was my answer. And after the talk, someone else came to me, also another attendee, and he, 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 he told me, he told me, uh, so he listed the features, right? And for every feature, I had an answer. So there was like Java 21 or whatever is able to do that, Java records and whatever, and coroutines. So we, everything was actually, uh, and he said, yeah, but the remaining reason are collections because the collections in Kotlin are outstanding. And the reason why he actually does, does Kotlin is collections. So I had no time to discuss the collections, but I said, okay, um, Maybe, but I'm not. I think Java collections are really great. And my understanding was in Kotlin, you can reuse the stream or something like this. I had no time, you know, to fully understand what was the advantage of that. But this was actually this was my this was the preparation for the show last week <laughs> with the Kotlin. And now I understand you do with Kotlin something uh, what I wouldn't um, um, expect. So you you are actually writing backend code in Kotlin, right? Yes, interesting about the collections. I mean, I think that that would fall into into the, into the category of various things that make you more productive or nice about the language, mm -hmm. which which are not the main reasons why you why you would use Kotlin, mm -hmm. because I, I I would start with why what is what are the cons really for, for, from my perspective to not use Kotlin, and. And that is basically that, like everything about tooling, about IDE support, um, is is worse than in Java. So the, you have not the same experience. Like the, if you work even in IntelliJ IDEA, then the 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 experience when programming Java is 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 the best. You, when you program in Kotlin, it's slightly worse. Some things don't really work that way. Uh, it's not as as polished, and so on. E even though the, those are the creators of Kotlin, they, 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 the gap is getting smaller. It used to be a lot bigger, but still, um, Java is to, has, just has the best tooling, and also in terms of like when you um, use libraries, um, your build, everything will be smoother if, if you do it in Java than than in Kotlin. So that that's that's a big con and of course if you have a project then then everybody on a jvm team knows java and not everybody use knows kotlin so that's that's a, a, a really a con for for using a different language um and just listing things like this is nicer and this makes me a little bit more productive that doesn't add up um in in terms of um let's use Kotlin. It can be a personal reason, like just for yourself, you can say, I, I like to do this. I like to be more productive and I like really like these features and, and, and that's fine. But like for a team, there has to be like a, a bigger reason to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, 
what what I see like in in Kotlin is is like like three big things. Mm-hmm. The first thing is is nullability. So Kotlin has non-null types by default, and this nullability stuff is is really big. It's like having static typing versus dynamic typing in a sense, because mm-hmm. like your program tells you things about about nullability. Um, it gives you safety guarantees that are really important for writing safe programs. That's 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 something that we w- will maybe get in Java. Like with Valhalla, they're discussing things like that and so on. That's very interesting right now. So that that is maybe something that's going away. That is the first thing we can we can also discuss about that. But then there are two other big things. The one thing that you said you just touched upon. I'm writing code for the backend is the ability to write DSLs. That's something that's in the language. Should we talk about the null pointers and nullability a bit? Okay. Uh, because if you, if you, I don't, you know, introduce too much chaos about mm-hmm. that. Because okay. uh, I, I've spent, the, I think, every, whatever I'm doing is mostly backend and uh, usually some CLI tools. But null pointer exceptions are not that common, I would say. And... Uh, in, in my world, it's not like we are struggling with it. And if they happen, then uh, it is easy to debug them. So it's not like it is a huge problem for, for in my world. I think it would be different if I would spend time in bigger swing applications when everything is singleton. So in my world, it's like, you know, request. So there's a request scope, the request comes in, and then everything disappears as clean again. So there's maybe a different world a bit. With, and, um, and I have to admit what, what I'm starting to do, I never did it actually, is um, let's say I'm validating the parameters, right? So if I'm validating the parameters, usually what I did is I said, okay, I threw a new illegal argument exception or illegal state exception to signalize uh, the validation is not right. But if you use objects require non-null, internally an own exception is constructed and thrown in Java, null pointer. So actually, the Java throws the null pointer if something is not coming in, right? But a step further, if you do nothing and you just uh, say string dot whatever, uh, what is it, length or size, and you get a null pointer, then then you get the best possible experience in Java because then you know how how it's called the Jap. You know, you get the the advantage of having. A nicer errors, they will exactly see in which uh, in which line it happened. But if you throw your own exception in this particular case, so uh, you will have to you know to provide a nicer st- stack trace. So what I'm saying is, it is nicer, but it's not like null pointer exceptions are my biggest problem in backend. Or actually, it's not not problem at all. Right. I mean, it's a little bit like static typing. You can get proponents of dynamic languages. We say like the, the typing stuff and the casting is, is not a problem really because I, I do this in a very disciplined way and I always think about things very clearly and, and I write this down and, and I have these advantages also because I don't uh, um, have the static typing. And so in, in a sense, it's like this, um, it, it, it's this guarantee about this, the state of the program, about what you're doing, that that frees you from thinking about things and being disciplined okay. about things in a certain way, and um, it it makes a, a real difference. Like when you when you try it and, and write some piece of logic, it 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 sort of becomes evident that this this is a is a is a great tool. And I mean, like the the Java designers talked about this is a billion dollar mistake to allow null for 
uh, for types and so on. And they, they, will, they, they will do something about that. And um, I'm pretty sure because it's very successful in, in the Kotlin world. And they're constantly looking at Kotlin like it's a little bit like a lab where, where they can see whether things work out, mm-hmm. whether things are a good idea or not so a good idea. And then they can think about it. Um, and um, come up with something that fits in, into the Java language. And I think that's a very um, um, uh, f- fruitful um, symbiosis here between the Kotlin and, 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 uh, and the Java languages because like, they're both in the JVM, they're very close, um, they're interoperable. And um, I, I think that, that this nullability stuff, that is something that we will see at some point in, in the Java language. And it, it will... Um, be a big thing. So that's that's my personal opinion. Like when when I uh, work with Kotlin, when I work with Java, I always have this. Uh, I, I feel a general unpleasantness in Java about not having the nullability guarantees that I have in Kotlin. That's that's just something that you get to feel when you when you work about it, and you think it's it's, it's kind of fuzzy. And why why is this not there? Yeah, so I, I I I believe you because uh, you, what I usually do if uh, I uh, let's say in backends, so if I use optional, for instance, right? So it's kind of uh, the solution of Java on on the library level. So usually I use, I use optionals to do more, not just in the type checks, but if you see optional in my code, is like optional filter map, flat map. If you have two optionals, so like uh, working like a, with a stream, and this is perfect because I save a lot of code. Because I don't have to check for null, and uh, for instance, if I return optional, I can say, "Hey, optional map," and I can pass the result of this optional to another method, and um, only if it's not null. So this is great. But there are other methods where it's just, you know, I'm returning a primitive or whatever. And in this particular case, I'm not using optional because maybe I'm too lazy. But I know, okay, it's not worth. I mean, this would be, this would be a false signal because Java doesn't have to. So if you see optional as return time usually happens something with the optional. If there is no optional return type, this is just a value and no one cares about that, right? So, um, and, but if Java had it built in, I, I'm with you. It would be it uh, it would be better, of course. But mm. it's not like if I would switch now from Java to Kotlin, for me, it would be a huge difference, right? Uh, maybe, uh, this right. is what I'm saying. If I start with Kotlin, mm-hmm. then it's great because I don't have to think about this. Yes. But in Java, for me, it is like a signal. Is it uh, like, you know... Sometimes I misuse things to have signals, right? Um, for instance, um, sealed interfaces, right? So uh, we're, we're imp- imp- introduced to have uh, uh, the exhaustive switches in, in record patterns and so forth. But sometimes I like to use them just to signalize uh, for documentation purposes. Okay, this is just this implementation are available. If you have the interface, you know what's going on. And it is actually, it was never meant that way, but it works great. Because if I'm an interface, I see the implementation inside and, and it works perfectly, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, um, and similar to optional. Optional signalizes, okay, you will usually see a kind of a stream-like behavior if you, if you, if you follow, you know, the, the stack tra- or stack trace, the, the references of the method. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. This might not be, uh, it might be one of those things where you say, this is great about, about Kotlin and makes you more productive and makes it safer, but it's not a real reason to say, let's, let's use Kotlin. But coming to, to, the, to the thing that you said in the beginning that I'm working in the back end using Kotlin to, to there, mm-hmm. the, the main thing right now, what I'm doing right now, is I'm um, using the, um, it to replace view templates. Um, 
with mm-hmm. pure Kotlin code. So mm-hmm. like in Java, you don't want to write HTML with a fluent library or something like that. It will not be yeah. um, visible what, how, what the structure of the page is and so on. So the solution is to have a templating language like GSP or FreeMarker or Timeweave mm-hmm. or I think those are basically it. Um, and, and then that's, that's like a separate language that you have two things and then the IDE has to support it and so on. And it's difficult to refactor logic and so on. It, everything becomes difficult in this templating world uh, rather than having just Java code. So, but you cannot have just Java code for writing HTML pages because it's not convenient. You will not see anything. You will not be able to take the input of a designer and really um, put it into your code. And that's where Kotlin has a solution uh, which, which is really um, perfect for that, um, which is the DSL. You can, you can write like custom languages with a tree-like structure in, in Kotlin. It's, it's a language feature, basically. Mm-hmm. So um, there is also like an official project from the Kotlin uh, um, team, a, a DOM builder library mm-hmm. uh, for HTML that you can use to then write your HTML pages in Kotlin. So it will be statically typed code. You can have logic in there. Um, you can refactor methods and so on. And that really works great. And you can take the input uh, from, from a designer very easily and transform that in, into, into your code. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you pro- probably will never be able, or never is a, is a big word, but like in the foreseeable future, not, not be able, able to do with, with Java. And that, that is really a reason, uh, for example, you say, let's use Kotlin at least for that purpose. And you don't have to use it for everything. And that's also a great thing about Kotlin. You can work in your project and you can just use it for some particular aspect. And it lives in the same modules and you can compile it all together. And there is like little, very little friction between the Java and the Kotlin side when, when they call each other. And so you can, you can use it for, for certain things, not, not for everything. And for that thing, that's a particular strength of Kotlin that I would say that Kotlin really is, is a game changer if you produce server-side rendered um, HTML. That's, mm-hmm. that's my uh, strong opinion about that. I think that's, that's really great. And it's, uh, so what are you doing right now? Uh, you're using Kotlin and you use the HTML tags and behind the scenes is more or less Kotlin methods, right? Type safe. And it builds behind the scenes um, a, a valid HTML. This is what I imagine what happens. What Ruby did, I, I guess, with meth- method missing trick or something like this, right? Right, right. There's things that the dynamic languages were able to do for, mm-hmm. with, with their own uh, um, features that, that are, then create a lot of other problems um, that, that you can have now in a completely statically typed environment. But as Groovy did it for years, right? This was the... the with the Grails, and this was actually the templating with exactly this feature. This was what Groovy was, uh, no kidding, 10, 15 years ago. It was like, you know, the huge big deal with Groovy, right? Well, Grails actually didn't use an HTML DSL that way. They had this GSP, which is very similar to to JSP. Mm -hmm. Looks basically the same, and they also have their tag libraries and so on, so it's very much modeled after GSP, also interoperable with that. I, I know a lot about Grails because we had our website in, in Grails. Oh, okay. So that was like in, in those years when, when, when the, that, that 
you know, the dynamic language bandwagon. Uh-huh. And we, we thought, yeah, let's maybe, because before that we had a PHP website and then we said we, it has to run on the JVM, but which one, which option should we choose? And we chose Grails and uh-huh. with Ruby. Uh-huh. And that was, <laughs> so, so we, there were lots of problems and we really didn't, didn't like it but we invested a lot of it and we had we had a long time what what problems do you have because i'm really curious because i i i I use groovy a bit but it was the the same argumentation so why i'm not using groovy right so this was i always ask about that and i still use java and uh, what i know is with the method missing and the um and they try to replicate what ruby did with you know with the type safe parses kind of and the, the entire trick was Groovy uh, assumed that there was a method, like a tag, and there was no method. But if you pass, you know, what's missing to a generic method, a error handler, basically, they were yes. able to reconstruct everything in, in memory, more or less. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So which, which problems you you had with Grace? I'm just curious. We can talk about it because over, I think, with Grace. So I personally really just like dynamic typing. So that's that's dynamically typed languages are nothing for me. I, 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 I totally respect that there are people who, who are... Um, Mm-hmm. Who, who are uh, who like that? Who are uh, productive in that environment? Who 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 want to to live in such an environment? But I don't. I mm-hmm. really I think that's everything's wrong about dynamic typing for me when mm-hmm. when when I use it. There is no IDE support. There is no code completion, or at least not a reliable code completion. It's something that the IDE can guess somehow and so on. So this that's a world where you have no arms or legs or something. And that is really, I think it's <laughs> a terrible uh, situation, yeah. really, and you have to get into, into a statically typed, or I have to get into a statically typed uh, environment. Mm-hmm. And also it was like, I use, I'm also a Gradle user, and I really disliked it all the time until they had the Kotlin DSL. Now they have the Kotlin DSL, now it's statically typed, now it's, it's, it's bearable to write Gradle scripts. It, I think it was terrible before that. You had no access to what is behind the scenes, mm-hmm. as you said, with the method missing stuff. And it's just ma- happening magically inside somewhere. You cannot navigate to the source code. And um, it, it's, it's important to have the, the kind of uh, um, help that the IDE can give you. And you, you know what this method does. So mm-hmm. that, that does, there should be no magic, really, mm-hmm. in a program. That's what I like about, um, uh, about this. So yes, that's that's I come from 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 that background, and um, yeah, that I mean, if you remember, there used to be a time when when everybody was talking about what is going to replace Java. Is exactly. Java dot next. I mean, there was even an acronym for it, and everybody was looking for what's it going to be. Is it going to be Scala? Is it going to be Groovy? And the answer was already clear. I mean, I think at that point you looked at the language and said no. That's not going to be. Then even more exotic stuff like closure or uh, things like that. And the, but there still was this idea that Java has to go. There has to be something else. There has to be like a version two uh, of, of, yeah. of main language on the JVM. What, the, the, the best the, <laughs> the best argument, but I I was really a little bit afraid of it. They say Java will die because Scala comes with native support for XML. And what I knew back then, that lots of my clients, they used uh, ESBs and SOAPs, yes. SOAP, right? And I say, this, if they notice that, right, and they build the first ESB in Scala with XML, this could actually pro- be somehow powerful argument. 
I didn't like XML at all. I tried not to completely ignore it, and which, um, but it's better than YAML. But uh, still, back then it was overused, and uh, and now you know this was actually I think even Sun, still Sun was a little bit under pressure because they also you know tried to justify why Java doesn't support natively XML. And uh, and and I would say I would say if you would support natively XML now we would be in trouble how to how to get rid of it right but um, this was like one of the arguments where everyone had to justify why Java doesn't have you know and and language level support for XML and Scala somehow had I forgot what they did but they had uh, XML yes, native yes. support no but the way you have to do it is like Kotlin does it with this DSL stuff which is totally generic and you can use it for your own purposes right like when you program in Kotlin you you can program these little DSLs you can make them up on the fly it's very easy so you have your your own kind of builder's thing where you can build a tree-like structure of stuff that mm -hmm. is naturally typed and at each level you have various options and you get them in code completion. So that's all very nice. And, and, and you have to, the, the, the way that Kotlin did it, I think, is pretty unique. And no other language really does it that way, uh, statically typed language. And um, I think that's, that's a big bonus. So, but still, I mean, you may you may say this is not enough. But there is no there is no um, real compelling reason we can still use the templating languages and so on. That's 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 fine. And um, yeah, that could could be right. And and then there is the the third big thing, whereas would say that that is really. A reason to use Kotlin if you have that kind of project or that environment, and that is Kotlin multi-platform, and that's a big thing. That's a really big thing, and mm -hmm. it, they pour huge resources into it. I mean, JetBrains is, is a fairly big company, but they really are going all in into that Kotlin multi-platform thing, and I, I think that's 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 a great thing to have. Um, uh, especially if you, I mean, really, you need to be able to, you need to be doing something on multiple platforms for that to be interesting. So, like, uh, um, you're developing uh, an app that runs on iOS and on Android, and you have a web version of your app as well, and then you have some uh, uh, server-side backend code, and all of that has to work together. And you can now bring this into a single single language where you can share code across all these boundaries, where you can have common code that, that does things uh, for all these platforms. And you compile natively to those platforms. So it's, that's, that's, that's a really unique blend of, of ideas that they took there. I mean, you have other things that, that you say, isn't that the same, like Flutter or React Native? But it's not. Those are much more high-level things. And, and this is the Kotlin multi-platform is really about having the language that compiles down to, 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 these, um, to these platforms where you can natively work with the stuff that's available. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a, 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 a very interesting thing. And it went stable uh, uh, two weeks ago, I think. That's the 1.9.20 release of Kotlin where they declared that it's now stable, can be used in conservative environments. So, so that, that that era is just getting really started, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm currently working with it, and I think it's really great. I like your argumentation. So what uh, what I'm missing on the server right now is JSPs, by the way, Java server pages. What I um, often need is just you know a simple not not on the server even for command line interface whatever. So it is somehow solved with text blocks a little bit, but you get crazy if it gets you no know, more complicated. You cannot just remember all the parameters afterwards, but 
Are you aware of string templates, the preview feature in Java? Yeah, that's uh, also a good idea. Think of how, how, how they look at things, how, how they are in other languages in Kotlin, and then come up with a really good solution where they have everything thought about very well, and um, um, that's that's a great uh, a great feature, right? Because yeah. the string template, what they will able to do is this will be type safe, so mm -hmm. they will a, they will be able to validate actually what you wrote in in a string with uh, as the template. So, for instance, they the uh, they, they, uh, it should be possible, for instance, to parse SQL statements if you write, you know, the stuff. And you could also the HTML. So this would be the solution to that problem. But uh, um, what's interests me with uh, with Kotlin is with the native stuff because, or what you said, multi-platform, because Kotlin gets compiled to bytecode at the end of the day, right? So what they did, they they maybe they are reading the Kotlin source and translating something directly because if you compile it to bytecode, it should be also doable with Java, right? This is not like... No, they, they, they actually, to do this right, they rewrote, but, but they have, what they have been doing for the last few years is rewrite the entire compiler and their entire internal stuff. And now they, they rewrite that to an internal representation. It's like an IR. It's just something Kotlin specific. And from there, that's, that's something where all their compiler plugins work on. And then from there, they compile it to the... So there's one level more in between. Okay. They, they don't compile the bytecode and then to the native stuff. They compile to their internal representation, and from there it goes into the backend. Mm -hmm. So that's that's different. So you could not like compile something with Java and then leverage the, the, the Kotlin compiler to produce native code. That would not work. Okay, so the first time I'm with you, because now we are no more talking about Java. We're talking about Kotlin with complete parallel stack to Java, right? So it's like, um, because it's nothing to do with JVM anymore. In this particular case, right, the Kotlin language has basically is not tied to the JVM. It's you have this this, this specification which is completely standalone, and you can when you have a Kotlin multi-platform project, you have these modules that are called common modules, which mm -hmm. the, where you don't have any environment basically. Mm -hmm. So you, you just have pure code. So you can do like validation logic or stuff like that, or um, there is some stuff. They have a standard library. There's strings and even some kind of I/O. You can have like things like a byte buffer, and that's all like modeled a little bit after the JVM. So they come from the JVM and they take the JVM concepts and try to make them uh, abstracted from the JVM. Mm -hmm. So you have these common modules. That's that's just pure pure Kotlin. And mm -hmm. then you have modules that that uh, are platform specific and that can then depend on these common modules so you can reuse the same code on, on different platforms, compile it down to different platforms. Mm -hmm. So what it means is, um, would it be possible technically to run Kotlin natively? Let's say I, I'm, I'm, I'm a target Mac environment and I would write, you know, to write with Kotlin a hello world just, you know, just to show something in my terminal without any JVM installed, which has nothing to do with JVM, so I can just download Kotlin and natively compile it to Mac without any association with JVM OpenJDK, or I still have to have JVM and then Kotlin, no? Yeah, you can, you can. I mean, the Kotlin compiler is a JVM product. So the, the, the mm -hmm. compiler is written in, is, 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 a, is, a, uh, is a JVM uh, thing. But like the output, when you compile something natively for, for Mac OS or for Windows natively, it will be just a native executable. Will not yeah, but this is like Graal, right? Graal VM is written in, in JVM, but the output is in native, right? So, uh, yes. So the, but yes, there's still yes. Java. In, so uh, what, what I'm saying is uh, the, okay, so I, but I can download 
uh, the the Kotlin compiler, which is written Java, but we can hide it, but I don't have to have JDK installed. So I don't have to have Java 21 or Java 7. This is uh, what the difference is with, with Kotlin, you would be writing a native program. You would be writing a program that is a native, that's not using the, the JVM uh, libraries. It mm -hmm. would have to use the native functions that are available okay. on OS. That's, so, that's the difference. It would be really native. So the, 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 only, the only link to Java is the compiler, which is can be hidden. It's just you know the yes. they decided to use Java back then to write right. the compiler, but they could write it with Kotlin right now, right? Would be possible or in C, let's say they could write they, us. They uh, could have. They could use like rewrite everything in Kotlin native, but that like wouldn't make any sense because the, everything would be harder. Like doing things natively is a lot harder than doing things on the JVM. So it's better to to be on the JVM for complex. Uh, solutions because that's like the best solution that there is. Things are not do not become faster. Like if you use Kotlin native, everything will be slower than having a, a JVM program in a sense mm -hmm. because the JVM is super optimized as all these these the, 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 the library and so on. So that that is not really like the the the, the idea. And I think the the main thing for them to compile native code, the main idea is to be able to 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 work on on the mobile platforms really, like on on Android and on iOS where we it has to be native. Mm -hmm. Okay, like have, you don't have a JVM there, mm -hmm. so that's 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 the main thing. Like on the server side and on the desktop, have producing native programs is possible with Kotlin multi-platform, but I don't see the use case really because mm -hmm. like, it's better to have a JVM pro uh, yeah. project. Because why I'm asking so in this direction because I was always bored if you know Scala had to run on JVM. I was okay if I already you know have the JVM. And then I need the Scala libraries on top of the JVM in order to talk to the JVM. I mean, I'm absolutely not interested. But what I, for instance, like is the language like Swift, right? So it is complete different stack. So, okay, I'm with it because there are complete different possibilities. But running a, another language on JVM because we can, so, okay, maybe. But why then, you know, the argumentation start, starts with Java 21. But you are actually the first one who completely arguments in different way. Usually, you know, they try to, to, to show me a feature and I was bored because, okay, I see the point, but I mean, you know, there was like suspended the coroutines and I had the ASIC response for years in Java E and I say, okay, I see this, but maybe I use it one time and, and, and not always using this feature. A similar feature is not the same, of course. Um, and um, and uh, what interests me in Kotlin is, is this one killer feature where I think it could take off and this is Vasm. What yeah, Kot that's, Kotlin that's can do, language. and yeah. this can, this is, I think, the the biggest, I would say, danger to Java is, because Kotlin uh, can translate Kotlin code to a WebAssembly, mm. and WebAssembly becomes interesting because um, uh, Docker is looking at WebAssembly whether they can run, you know, WebAssembly natively on Docker. Kubernetes is um, then all the edge uh, computing devices are looking at WebAssembly, and. Yeah. Um, WebAssembly is a little bit pity because for me it's nothing else than bytecode. But regardless, uh, J the Java bytecode is not, I would say, people associate Java with, I don't know what, with uh, old AWT, which looks terrible, right? And that, therefore it is no more that hot as it was before. And they try to always, you know, to reinvent Java, which is similar, but it's not called Java. And this is WebAssembly to me. But still, now it takes off like crazy, and Kotlin is able to natively support Vasm. It's still experimental, but it's interesting. And I would say this, for me, would be the, one of the killer features, and you are near of explaining this because you already told me, you know, with the native and whatever. But all other requests, I have to say, project I found, you know, uh, which use Kotlin so far, 
They use, for instance, Quarkus, like you know, backend development uh, server. So, and they use Kotlin, and I look at the code, and and there was almost no difference. It was different to Java, but this, I couldn't understand what is you know the the advantage of doing so because. In Java, it is not, uh, I don't know, you know, JaxOS and stuff like that, you know, the add path and get. So if you write it in Java, it's almost no code, right? You have a method, returns JSON object, and it get. And with Kotlin, it was almost identical. So, okay, the, the syntax is different, but what is the advantage? And they couldn't explain. So never. So I, 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 I look at the code, and this was like, you know, this was the same what happened in Scala, whatever. They had a different framework, like play, whatever. It was different. But I don't think whether it was better. And the first time I hear no is the native. And this is where I see the, see the point. If they are able to transpile Kotlin to this intermediate representation, IR, and then they have tooling you know, to distribute to different platforms, they can actually be better than Java because they don't have the limitations with backward compatibility, whatever. They can do whatever they like. And because uh, JetBrains is a capable co- company, I mean, they, 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 they have... Uh, you know the um, meta uh, um, meta programming environment in in, in, in JetBrains. Yes, the MPS. M- MPS exactly. So they, they, they were for for fifteen years with MPS. They could do you know DSLs, code generators. Or, or they are, I would say, the most capable engineers for building platforms uh, right now. One, I, this is why my my opinion about them. So I think with the IR thing, they can be really capable, right? And um, Android, for instance. Um, to my understanding, is that Kotlin is the system language on Android. So the Android Studio, everything now, you know, the the way to go is Kotlin. And uh, and uh, if they don't have Kotlin, they have to fall back to Java eight, I think. So Java eleven is still not there. And uh, Kotlin solves all the problems. So I see see the point on Android. And I, I always ask myself, you know, what when when Google says, okay, we don't like Java at all, and we have uh, another, you know, a native language for the Android. And then Kotlin dies on uh, Android. Would it be still that popular? This is the interesting part, right? Mm-hmm. So this would interest me. What if Google says we don't like Android um, Kotlin anymore because it's somehow you know, associated with JVM, and we would like to use the Fuchsia or whatever called the operating system mm-hmm. with the uh, with the language that I forgot, um, pro- probably Dart. I would say, Dart. Yeah, yeah, Dart, and uh, and and then it's over with Kotlin on Android. So now the interesting point is. Will Kotlin be still as popular as it is right now? So, strategic question, right? Right. I mean, of course, a lot of of, of the Kotlin popularity and the, and the developer um, base is is in Android. But I think this is it's like not it's not overwhelming. There is a large portion of of developers who are using it on the server side as well, mm-hmm. and um, the multi platform stuff is just getting started. I think that's okay. that's not yet. A main thing, and if you think about, it's very interesting. If you think about like other systems which are similar, and the, the other system which is very similar is the is the, um, is the idea that you take JavaScript which runs on the browser and then also run it on the server to have this this common multi-platform thing where you can shift code around. And I, I think it was Netflix or they 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 pushed that and developed that. Um, because that was important for them to have have this flexibility of doing sometimes things on the server or sometimes in the client or in both of them uh, together in a hybrid way and 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 that that is the solution uh, that comes from the from the from the front end and goes to the back end and with Kotlin it's it's the other way around you'd say you have something that comes from the server side and pushes in, into the front end 
and so to have this this um, unified mm-hmm. environment. And it goes even further then because, like, it's not or originates from the browser and, and, and is not so much tied to these concepts, and and then can push into all the platforms natively. So, but I I, I think that's the, the, those are the two main multi-platform things. Is, is the one is where you learn TypeScript and then can write on the browser and write on the on the backend, and the other thing is where you write Kotlin and can also do the same thing with a focus on on the server side and not so much on the front end side. And those those are the two two main things. And the the, the TypeScript Node.js that's already. Um, very well developed and there are lots of developers like who work in this full stack environment in that way and with Kotlin multi-platform just getting started and we'll have to see how much how, how, how much uh, mind share that will get and how many people will 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 jump onto that uh, uh, train and I think that could become like a the defining uh, feature for uh, for, for 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 Kotlin, also with the things that are coming, like they they they're developing something that I also find very interesting, which is a new cross-platform UI toolkit. Mm-hmm. It's called Compose, where you can write UI that will then work on the web, on the desktop natively, on the JVM, um, on the various mobile platforms. Um, and, and that will be like a super cool thing. Like all these multi-platform libraries that they have where you can then say, I apply this, this library and then it has native implementations for all the various backends. And this is actually what I, what I looked at and use a bit because it's very similar to SwiftUI and we had to do something on Android and this Compose mm-hmm. is a reactive where you have a declarative UI and this is driven by a model and every model change re- is reflects in the UI. It was like a preview last year. I think now this... Uh, and it's really interesting. So what interests me, what is the commercial interest? I think the commercial interest is be that uh, the uh, IntelliJ or the, the uh, um, JetBrains tooling is used more, right? So this... But of course, at the end of the day, you will have to use one of their tools. I mean, there is... Of course, you can use something else, but it will be a, a lot worse. So Yeah, this is why I, I tried Cotton with Visual Studio Code and it was uh, not that good, I would no, say. No, you wouldn't do that, really. Yeah. So you have to use one of their tools. Actually, now there will be, I think, really two options because either you use the IntelliJ or the new one, the Fleet. You try that, the Fleet? Mm, yeah. I tried that, but I have to say uh, it was... The experience right now was, was not good because whatever I tried to do, it, it downloaded first, you know, whatever to need to download. And in the end, it was significantly worse than IntelliJ, but even even worse than Visual Studio Code. So this is right now. But uh, And what also I'm really uh, interesting with the fleet is um, they are competing with Visual Studio Code. And sure. Visual Studio Code is huge. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have to say everyone uses Visual Studio Code except a few Java developers use IntelliJ, right? So you shouldn't mm-hmm. underestimate the Python JavaScript in the entire ecosystem. This is a huge ecosystem and Microsoft pushes like crazy. Uh, everyone who uses GitHub uses basically Visual Studio Code. So I'm interested in what happens to Fleet because uh, if Fleet looks too similar to Visual Studio Code, this is a little bit my problem, right? So IntelliJ is okay because it's different and I would just push for it because it's like expert tool, but the Fleet, I don't know whether it's the right direction, you know, to compete with something which is that similar, right? I don't. I don't know either, really. I have no opinion on. You try that with Fleet. Yeah, but still, I mean, I would not use it. I would use. Yeah, it. yeah exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. my tool. That's my environment, and I think I don't see the the advantage really. Yeah, yeah exactly. The Fleet style uh, environment, but 
still, they're pushing for it hard, I think. They're, that's not something that they will give up on. And, um, and, and they already have things like the, they want to have this Kotlin multi-platform thing in, in, in fleet. Okay. But that would be one of, one of the things that they want there as a, as mm-hmm. a big feature. So that could be a reason for people to use Fleet and not Visual Studio Code. This is what I understand. Dennis is strategy brilliant, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you're targeting the Visual Studio Code developers and you offer them alternative, which is not Java, it should not look like JetBrains, uh, IntelliJ. It should look like Visual Studio Code, but they get a nicer experience, this Visual Studio Code with JavaScript, then this, this, this strategy is brilliant. So the, they are not targeting Java developers. They are targeting whoever uses Visual Studio Code right now and hope it could take off. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this makes absolute sense because That's I say, yeah. Sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what is actually your reason now to use Kotlin? Just to have a, a type-safe HTML? Right. I mean, I have the, the type-safe HTML and I have the Kotlin multi-platform. So like when I, I don't write JavaScript, I really don't like to write. I wrote a lot of JavaScript in my life and I have never gotten around <laughs> to liking it. And uh, I always thought I could learn TypeScript. That would be nice. And TypeScript looks good. Um, but it is. I don't use it often enough. I don't think I would get into a state where I would use it um, and, and be really proficient in it. So I always d- decided not to learn TypeScript, really, mm-hmm. to, to, apart from doing some basic tutorials. Um, and so I don't have to write JavaScript anymore. I can write Kotlin. Okay. And then I have the added benefit that I have these common modules where I can share constant logic, even rendering stuff. Like I render stuff on the server side as, as I told you before, with the Kotlin DSL for uh, for HTML. Mm-hmm. And I can move that, because that's a multi-platform library, this HTML rendering, I can move that to a common module. And then I can have the same rendering on the server side and on the client side, which sometimes mm-hmm. is necessary. When you dynamically produce like um, additional UI, you, you have that. It's completely fluid. And, mm-hmm. and it's all tied together. There's no boundary where you say okay where does that come from what server-side method is this you can always follow by clicking to, uh, in the ide through to these constants to the to the source and this is huge for instance what we did with it with similar technology you remember nasworn right mm-hmm. and it was javascript engine and what we did we reused the validation logic in client and server right because uh, if you have an input field form and you put something to text fields and you validate it with JavaScript, but you have to revalidate exactly the same way on the server. So on the server in Java, we use Naswan to load JavaScript, the same JavaScript which was shared between client and backend to have the same validation logic. So yeah. if Kotlin does it you know, out of the box with a common module, I could write you know, validation logic for big enterprise projects in Kotlin. And then, you know, uh, and then have the same validation in front and in backend, which is a huge advantage. And because it's Kotlin, so it means it is supported by a single company without external dependencies. Absolutely. You don't have external dependencies. It's all there. It's, and it compiles reasonably well to JavaScript. So mm-hmm. you have this Kotlin code and you, it compiles it. There's um, Webpack is included. It makes it minifies everything together already. And it's, it's pretty, pretty okay. So you get small mm-hmm. output files, relatively small output files, and you don't have to write JavaScript anymore. So this, of course, for a JavaScript developer, not interesting. For a TypeScript developer, it's not interesting. But for somebody coming from, from the server side who wants to do stuff on, on the front end, it becomes very pleasant. It's very nice 
for me to work in a browser environment now, which used to be always, I always thought, oh no, like then I, I don't do certain things because I think this is risky. Let's leave it that way. Uh, who knows? And then maybe it's not working on Chrome or on Firefox or whatever. And in and, and, and this way, you have this completely type safe environment where you only can call things that really exist and are part of the standard DOM and, and you have your, um, uh, environment where you can work mm -hmm. productively and not like uh, feel not at home. Yeah? You mm -hmm. feel at home on, on on the browser immediately. That, mm -hmm. that's, that's that's for a server-side developer. That's a, that's a big bonus. Makes you uh, productive on on the browser immediately. What really described with the Kotlin from from backend to frontend, it reminds me a little bit of Vardin. You aware of Vardin framework? To yes, I actually yeah, I am aware of Vardin. I did, did a lot of work with Vardin, mm -hmm. and um, but but that of course is, is is different in the sense that Vardin does has the browser as a sort of as a terminal. Yeah, exactly. You you don't really do and have any code on on the browser. If you want to have your own code, you have to write it. Uh, in, in, it used to be in Vardin 8 and before it used to be GWT so you had to write, yeah, write yeah. GWT which has a steep learning curve you have yeah. to learn about GWT and it's slow for compilation that is not, not good mm -hmm. it takes a very long time to compile stuff for G, GWT and debugging and so on it's, everything is harder and the, the new Vardin uses TypeScript the, from, from, uh, from in, mm -hmm. in, in the current version you, you write client side stuff in TypeScript and they have now this hybrid uh, business model where they sell uh, components to, to JavaScript developers and they still have this terminal type. Everything is on the server side and you don't really know anything yep. about the browser and you have just our own API. You make a button and then add a click listener to it, the swing type uh, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. thing and so on. Yeah, but that, that is, that's good for some. But um, it's similar. Just what if a conceptual is like, kind of is like a remote control. Yeah, the browser is remote controlled by the server more or less. And uh -huh. you have a single module there in mm -hmm. in Vardin. You have just one yeah. thing. You not there's not multiple. There is no boundary between layers really. Yeah, yeah? that makes it even more abs uh, abstracted, which makes you more productive. But once you need to break out and of yeah. this model and do things, then it becomes a lot harder. And mm -hmm. then you have a lot harder problems to solve that you would mm -hmm. otherwise be do be able to do very easily. And with this Kotlin multi-platform, you don't you have the boundaries. The boundaries are there. You have the, 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 the back end, you have the front end, just like it is really in the real world. But you, you have the single language that can bridge these boundaries. Like, for example, you have a multi-platform library that's called Kotlin Serialization. They have this um, serialization in Kotlin where you can then serialize stuff, a, a, a complete graph of like, Kotlin objects on the JVM, serialize them to JSON, and deserialize them on the backend. And it's all transparent. I mean, you don't, that, that's things where you usually could use other frameworks to, to generate stuff for you, like JHipster or so on, but it introduces um, a, a lot of other complexities. Here, you just have the single language, you, you, you serialize it through, it comes out on the other hand, the, the, the classes are in the common module, they're available both on the, on the server side, on the client side, and, and makes, it, makes it very easy. So to, you, you to, have three to, projects, right? You have a front-end projects, common and backend, and uh, three modules, Gradle modules or whatever. Right. So the way it works in you can, you can, in Kotlin multi-platform is really that in a single module you can have these multiple source sets that live source in, sets. Okay. 
in 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 a, in, a, in, in the same um, and and you have to use Gradle. I mean, if you yeah. there is no Maven uh, thing, it's it's a Gradle thing, yeah. Uh, to which is okay because in Android is mostly Gradle. I mean, this is where yes, it comes from. Yes, that comes yeah. also from that direction. But then you basically apply the Kotlin multi-platform project, you and then you declare your um, your source sets. You say, I have JVM, I have I have JS, I have Wasm, I have Android, I have iOS, and uh, you could have different architectures and so on. So you get this tree of source sets with with common uh, source sets uh, in this ancestor hierarchy where you could place the common code and then it gets compiled down to the actual leaf platforms but this can all be in a single can all be in a single project so it's pretty pretty easy uh, to set up and the dependencies are there automatically so like the the, the js part and the jvm part would automatically see the the common code mm-hmm. but the uh the the kotlin front end is automatically transpired to javascript right yes that that would be like you have to declare like that they, that you want like binary output and and then when you uh, when you run uh, the task it w- will produce this this javascript but how you run your backend now so i mean uh, you start just kotlin main or what happens on the server for your string uh, for html templates oh let's say you have a spring boot application <clears throat> in your case you are using spring boot yeah in, in the Spring Boot application, when you have the controller, like in MVC, not not in, in traditional MVC, <clears throat> you have a, a controller, and what you would do, like before, you would return the name of the view, mm-hmm. so that Spring then could find the view and pass the model into it to produce the output. And right now, you would just like directly with a direct invocation invoke your own code. You can put it somewhere else, call it a view. And then uh, render this as a string and return it as a string or as a response entity uh, mm-hmm. of string. Mm-hmm. That's this direct thing. There is no more gap in the sense that the IDE would have to help you. How do you get to this? You just click on the class. It's, it's right there. So it's it's, uh, it's a direct thing. Because uh, in in my world, everyone uses uh, Quarkus with Kotlin. It's also very good Kotlin support. Is similar to Spring Boot with JaxRS, but what I surprise is w- there should be a native Kotlin framework, right, for for the backend. So why you are using Spring Boot with Kotlin? Why they don't? I mean, it's not that hard. You know? they should have a native Kotlin something backend server written Absolutely. in Kotlin. I mean, there's lots of options. You could use Kdor or exactly. Uh, why are not using this? Why am I not using this? Because I'm. This is a, a historical thing. I'm coming from Grails. Ah, Grails, Grails was based on Spring. There was always the spring layer ah, okay. below the grailsy stuff. It was always there. So in a sense, it used these concepts. And there was a migration path where we could migrate the, the grails backend from with all the groovy code to um, a spring boot application where we then basically translated all the groovy code into Kotlin. Ah, That's okay. what we did. So we got rid of all the groovy code. We were unhappy with, with the groovy code. And you have lots of code, backend code? Is there lots of code you, you have? Yeah, so like our e-commerce backend is pretty extensive. It's a, it's a really medium-sized application. It's not okay. small. We, have, we do lots of things, and we do all of it by, by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, um, yeah, we, we, it's important for us, also like as a profiler vendor, it's important for us to do server-side development ourselves. We, we have to, because that's like most of our customers are 
um, doing server-side development, so we have to do a little bit of that <laughs> ourselves as well with databases and stuff like that. And uh, so we always always did that. Um, and um, right, so that that was the reason we came from the from the Grails um, world, and that was a migration path into Spring Boot. And Spring Boot is something that we will naturally also choose to say that this is like the most important. Uh, of these technologies uh, in the sense that most people use it. Mm -hmm. What interests me is uh, if you run Kotlin, let's say, on uh, Spring Boot, or you use Spring Boot without Kotlin, and you fire up the J profiler, is there any difference? So is there any performance impact uh, in both directions using Kotlin? I, maybe not, right? This is uh, depending on, on which APIs you are calling would be more interesting to have a native Kotlin application, right, and profile this. So, uh, well, that you would have to have a native profile then. Uh, yeah, st yeah, this is yeah. In the sense that Kotlin from from Kotlin code, it produces bytecode that is similarly efficient than mm -hmm. what the Java compiler produces from from Java code. I mean, there is of course there is some some language features that have to be where the com where the compiler has to add like this syntactic structures. Uh, have has to generate some code and so on. It could be a little more uh, code than you would get if you write something in, in, in Java, a little more bytecode. But generally, there is no uh, performance um, uh, problem, or there's the, the performance is, is equal with Kotlin code yeah. and, uh, compared to Java code. That's, that's not the thing. And if you profile it, for example, then of course you have a, it's a little worse than writing Java code because the Kotlin compiler will add more synthetic methods and stuff like that than the Java compiler does mm -hmm. because you know, it's language features which are more complex in a, in a sense and have to be implemented in some way. So like um, analyzing stack traces from a Kotlin uh, program is, is a little worse than uh, than analyzing it from from a from a java application but it's still okay i mean like when, mm -hmm. when you look at other languages that are on the jvm then it's it's excellent uh, mm -hmm. so you can still have a, a reasonable uh, reasonably close um, uh, the jvm execution is reasonably close to what you write in your on your source code and so the 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 profiler is is it's it's a it's a good experience if you profile Kotlin code, mm -hmm. as opposed to profiling Groovy code, for example, which is not a good experience. And do you have any additional uh, Kotlin support in J profiler, or is it just you know stock, or you think about features you could build into J profiler right now, or? Well, I mean, what we really display, what we, we do have, of course, we have a, a big uh, specific Kotlin feature, which is the support for Kotlin coroutines. Mm -hmm. So what you want there is to get a single call tree because it's like running on a lot of threads and you just get snippets here and there. You don't get hotspots in a meaningful way in such a system like with coroutines. And the profiler has to do that, has to be able to understand. And, and that's actually a big feature. It took us a long time to get this done. So you can like go to the call tree and say inline all the asynchronous executions. And then we'll, we'll build a call tree um, that, that is understandable, where you can see the points where control was, uh, was yielded and, uh, and so on. So you, have, you have this, uh, this, this unified view. This is an, a call tree analysis. So if you go into JProfiler, you say analyze, um, and then there is this inline async executions, and that has support for Kotlin coroutines, among other uh, stuff, like executors, for example. Java executors could do the same thing, where you could just 
push the execution to other threads and have it fragmented in, in the same way. But uh, Kotlin coroutines is supported. And then, of course, we support um, the, the um, source code navigation into the IDE. That's an extensive thing where you have like, you have something, you see something in the call tree and say, show me that in the IDE. Then the JProfiler plugin in, 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 in the IDE in IntelliJ IDEA has to understand how, how to find mm -hmm. the actual location and the source code. So we do that as well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what I wanted to ask, uh, just, just, just thought in, about the, uh, the support uh, for, um, for Kotlin inside the uh, your J profiler, and what I uh, also thought immediately is about stuff like virtual threads, for instance. So if uh, um, let's say the JVM pushes forward, so we have JDK twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, this could be a bit of danger if the features start to overlap, right? So if let's say Kotlin uses feature which is not compatible with Java standard, right? They cannot use it natively anymore because they implement it a little bit differently. But I think that the Kotlin engineers are following Java closely, maybe even you know, work together with Oracle. And not that it happens, because I think it happened in the past several times with uh, Scala and other languages where uh, Scala invented something and it was a little bit different in Java then, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah, it is, of course, like with the coroutine stuff, um, that, that is something. But I think they will just leverage the, the virtual threads in, in okay. the future. Mm-hmm. And um, so what we have a big surprise now to listeners. So what you were able to do is uh, to set up a coupon code, right, for the listeners. So they get uh, JProfiler for a special price, especially, you know, if uh, for all Kotlin friends as well. So not only for Java developers, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, um, so until the, the 1st of December, we have uh, here for, for the listeners of this podcast a special coupon code. Um, and you can enter that uh, on the website and you get a 50%, 50% discount um, on all products. And um, yeah, the coupon code, I chose one which is easy to, to remember and to understand here. And it's just um, Java 2023. So, so Java, not Kotlin, right? For the listeners. It's yeah, not... I, I chose Java, not Kotlin. <laughs> <laughs> Java 2023. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it's capitalized or or, if, or, or lowercase. So uh, that's that's the coupon code and will be valid until the first of, of December. And the website is EJ Technologies, right? EJTechnologies.com. And it looks uh, not that great, not as good as a profiler because it's written in Kotlin, right? So this is the, the reason. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a new website <laughs> that I'm currently writing. So that will look a lot better. <laughs> okay. So what I'm what I'm a little bit disappointed that you're not using now Kotlin full stack that you rely on Spring Boot. So uh, I mean, it would be a lot of work now to to convert. Uh, what's what's the problem? Why you couldn't use now the, the the native Kotlin framework entirely? Well, then there are uh, several options. You would have to choose from them. And um, I, as I said, I really um, um, I'm not averse to using Spring Boot also because a lot of our customers, like I see there is a lot of Spring Boot usage yeah. from people. Uh, and so I think it's, it's, it's better for me to use something, some industry standard type uh, uh, tool um, than try to find something um, which is like uh, important in, in, in Poplin because that's still not as important as, as Spring what uh, but what happens a lot actually after 
after W. Jack's uh, talk last uh, last week, uh, not this week, uh, I got uh, attendees came to me afterwards and say, I know how I can use no more modern stuff and. What really happens a lot, not because it is better, is because it starts faster, Micronaut and Quarkus. I think mm -hmm. you could look at this. Have you tried that? I've looked at these things, yeah. And, I mean, and, and you know what, what they are doing? What The only difference is maybe, um, I, I don't have a lot of experience with Spring Boot, but the difference to application servers, which are similar to Spring Boot, is that Micronaut and, and Quarkus, they build everything up front, and they remove reflection and uh, you know configuration parsing at runtime. Mm -hmm. So and what this leads to uh, stupid bytecode without any reflection is just you know everything is hardwired in incredibly fast startup times yeah. and less memory memory consumption. And uh, you can say no what because uh, if you run your e-commerce system it doesn't matter for you. But what happens in my projects we are more or less forced to use Micronode or Quarkus because if it starts faster my clients pay less. <laughs> if you if you are in the cloud and you write you know serverless applications, yeah, the uh, memory and the and this is why I do Quarkus everywhere, and Micronaut I could use you would you would like Micronaut better because Micronaut is more compatible with Spring Boot, and Quarkus comes from my direction from Java mm -hmm. and J2E, but um, and it's more microprofile compatible. But uh, at DevOps I um, I had a chat with uh, the Micronaut people and they say, okay, they uh, they will also push more uh, mi uh, micro-profile compatibility. And uh, it is very, it is similar to, um, to, to to Spring Boot annotations. It is like, you know, this entire Java and Java E world is compatible with Quarkus. And uh, this is why I was surprised that you actually, um, because you should at least try it. And uh, in your case, I would just go Kotlin fu full, full steam ahead because mm -hmm. fun. But uh, Quarkus and Micronaut, at least try one module, I would say for, for you it would be both because it, actually the ecosystem of Quarkus and, and, and Micronaut is huge. I, I, maybe after the recording I can tell you uh, what happens really. So it is a really big project I'm developing right now just because of cost savings. This is the only reason. It's not like, you know, this is better or worse, no one cares about better or not. It starts faster, consumes less memory, period. And now with the Lieferketten, KSG, Gazettes, yeah, and CO2 consumption becomes also more and more pop, uh, important. So it, it is, um, it, may, it could be interesting to you, I'm just saying. Right? Yeah, and these things are very interesting for me, everything. We, we, we constantly look at all sorts of technologies, also like because we have to um, um, be able to deliver a good experience with a profile. So yeah. we have to be like, proficient in, uh, in, in a lot of these technologies, and they're really very interesting. In terms of like... I could use other things for for my backend, but of course, there's always a migratory cost that that is yeah. substantial. Uh, that's for for, a, for an existing project. But if and, I do something for me, right? Say so for myself, I also have my server and my uh, infrastructure. I experiment a bit more, and I'm you know willing to to push forward. Also, it makes no sense from the commercial perspective just to, you know to try new things and learn things. On my client's side, I'm more conservative, but uh, for boring projects on my server, I'm a bit more crazy. But yeah, uh, it was actually nice. Uh, what's the progress of Visual Studio Code actually? So can I just use Visual Studio Code with JProfiler? Well, I haven't gotten around to that yet, but <laughs> I promise you I will do that in, in the near future. Okay, because uh, what I thought about this is um, what Visual Studio Code can do, um, maybe I mentioned this already, and I do this actually all the time. Uh, if I'm reviewing a project for my client, I open Visual Studio Code and it parses very fast without Maven or whatever, the Java code, and it can even navigate it a bit just by opening it, right? So if yeah. I, um, and this would be big for profiling 
because uh, if the profiler connects to the code and I could navigate the code in Visual Studio Code without building it, you know, without because some of the dependencies are in, in Maven repository or whatever, so I don't have access to everything, but at least, you know, the high-level code, it would be already a good feature. And this lightweight mode in Visual Studio Code is actually a big feature because it doesn't have to, to understand Gradle or Maven, just opens Java and, and parses Java, like a Java parser, right? So this was the... Uh-huh. And to the listeners, if they go to the EJ Technology page and you see, you know, so on uh, boring Kotlin code, I would say Kotlin design, I would say. just <laughs> <laughs> You have still to download uh, JProfiler. I just did it. And it was uh, it, it, it looks great and it behaves great, just know as a message. Uh, the uh, JProfiler is worth trying. I'm just saying because, um, yeah, I was uh, pleasantly surprised, actually. And I always like good Java tools. So I try, you know, this fleet or whatever, Visual Studio Code, because um, I like, you know, to try out things. And, yeah, and JProfiler was a pleasant experience or to all listeners at least you have to download the j profiler and try it right as a profiler and connect it to quarkus let's say maybe it will also work with spring boot who knows but i did uh, had good experience with quarkus Mm. (laughs) that's very great thank you thank you so ej technology so uh ingo see you next time if you have visual studio code support i will re-invite you back so we can talk about (laughs) that so this is like you know this is now your and then we can promote your J profiler as you know as um, to give back something um, and yeah maybe. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Have a good day.